As you turn with me to 1 John chapter 5, reading from verse 5 through to 12, and the scripture is um, on the overhead, it's in your bulletins, and if you have your Bibles, it is towards the end, only one book, two books uh, before you, or that follows uh, the 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John in the New Testament, and uh, if you're there, when I hear the pages are quiet. We will read together. First John chapter 5. I'm going to invite you to stand with me uh, in honor of the Word of God, and after which I will offer a word of prayer, and then you may be seated this morning. First John 5, reading from verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater, because it is the testimony of God, which He has given about His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts His testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made Him out to be a liar, because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Father, this morning, would you, through my reflections on this text, speak your truth to our hearts? May we be attentive. May we be open. May we be receptive. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Before I share with you just some brief thoughts, I think it important to perhaps elaborate on something I just said prior to praying earlier. And that is is that it is often important practice in the church to discern that God is answering prayer. Um, I think it is important because For those of us who believe that our Christian life is fueled by prayer, that prayer is the quintessential communication and language of being Christian, uh, that we also recognize that we do not pray without expectation and that we do not pray without God intervening and answering prayers. If I was to ask you to raise your hand, which I am, uh, who has had prayers answered amongst us? Can you raise your hand? I think I would like, at some point during the course of this service, to hear how God has done so. This was not planned, and it's not in my notes, so I am just taking a leap of faith. And if you don't get up and share, well, that would just be awkward. But I trust that perhaps today, through answered prayers as shared within the community, we can encourage one another to recognize that when we come to God, He does hear. Amen? So this morning, what does the text teach us? I think that this is a difficult text. First John chapter 5 is a complex text. It is a, a text that in some ways beat me up more than I got out of it this week. And uh, as I read through the text, uh, the, the word that came back to me consistently is that I think he's trying to tell us that Jesus is really important. But I thought, that's not enough of a sermon. 
these are smart people. They want to hear a little bit more than Jesus matters. But again, the simplicity of the word is the power of the word. In John's community, in the audience listening to this particular message, which is not quite a letter, but more of a sermon, there's a group of people influencing the early Christians. They say they had docetic tendencies. I've preached on this several weeks, so I apologize if it is regurgitation of facts you already know. Uh, they, They had this perspective that they could know God apart from Jesus. That's problematic. But that is also very relevant to us, isn't it? For it, it, do we not live in a time in which, in particular in Canada, in which there is an openness to spirituality, but it does not have to go through Jesus Christ? There is an openness to, to accepting many ways to God. You know, if you have your way, John, and I have my way, and as long as your way doesn't conflict or interfere with my way, we can both have our way. But John would make it very clear that that you cannot speak of a fellowship with God apart from knowing Jesus, for somehow Jesus is God incarnate. He is the face of God. You must go through Jesus if you want to get the Father. You must see the face of the Son if you want to see the face of God. I, uh, I have a son. You don't have to applaud. You should applaud my wife. She actually gave birth to him. They say, and you couldn't judge from his appearance now, that he looks a lot like me. I don't know if that's a good thing. I I hope it is. Um, I looked a lot like my dad, by the way, and and recently I I grew a a, a goatee. Did you notice that? That was my... That was my, uh, my attempt to have a playoff beard. I, I can't grow hair very, very well, but on my face. And uh, when I was growing this, someone took a picture of me and my wife, and, and I posted on Facebook because I like, I like looking at my wife and me together. And most of our pictures since we've had kids, by the way, is just about the kids, or one of us is not in the picture. Parents know this. And it's not good for our self-esteem to be excluded all the time. So I put myself and my wife in this picture. When I did, I got comments from different friends. And I have friends in in South Africa. And and one such friend commented and said, what are you attempting to do? I I don't know quite what that meant. Uh, Someone else mentioned to me, where's that white hair coming from, you know? But then one friend alluded to the fact that you look like someone we both knew. And I knew who he was talking about. He was talking about my father. My father used to grow facial hair and was follically challenged upstairs like I am. And, and in fact, when I looked at the picture after he made this observation, I said, man, I, I do look awfully like my dad. Now, my son, on the other hand, he is growing out his hair. I don't know if you've noticed this, but he is You can't even see his face these days. I mean, he's just got this crazy big afro that he's growing. When he started, it was simply an attempt. This is all very spiritual, so don't look concerned. Uh, But when he started, it was all an attempt just because he wanted to have long hair. He thought that's a worthwhile goal. And so he came to his mom, and, and and I mentioned, I said, I think it's time that you cut your hair. And he says, Dad, I'm not cutting my hair. I said, why are you not cutting your hair? Because I want to grow it long. That was a good enough reason for him. I said... You're going to be so hot over summer 
Uh, you know, you should cut your hair. Uh, you know, you look so cute, son, handsome, when your hair is cut. People always comment, uh, playing into his vanity. But he stuck to his guns. You know, his guns. He, said, he said, no, I'm not cutting my hair, Dad. I'm going to let it grow out till next February when it's my birthday. Pray for my son. <laughs> Have you ever seen how much hair he already has? And when you look at him right now, you perhaps won't see that there is a resemblance. And someone said to me yesterday, did you ever have that much hair when you were a kid? I was like, yeah, I had exactly that much hair as a kid. And yet there is something about my son that does when you look at him. And people often comment to me, they say in his mannerisms too, oh man, I just saw you. I just saw you. And oftentimes they say that when he's doing something naughty. But I think what, what John is saying is so important for you and I to understand that Christian, the Christian claim that Jesus is the way to God is not a claim about exclusivity, but it is a claim to make this statement to humanity that we can truly know God in the most personal way through the Christ who has come into the world as a man. That any spirituality, any Holy Spirit experience must be rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. You dare not speak of fellowship with God or holy moments apart from knowing who the one is that came in flesh, that came and dwelt amongst us. But not only that he came as a human being into our world, but that he is the one who went to a cross and was crucified so that nothing would stand between you and me in truly experiencing and knowing what it means to be a child of God. The question this morning is, do you believe in that Jesus? Do you believe in that kind of Savior? Do you believe in a God that the apostle describes this way, He came by water and by blood. That is, he came through baptism and he came to us through the cross. That that when, when God talks about Jesus in opposition to what others are saying about spirituality, he's saying you can truly experience the spirit of truth when you look at the person of Jesus. You can truly know what is true when you look at who he is in two specific ways in the text. One, through his baptism, and two, through his crucifixion. Now, while there are many who would love to look at Jesus in only one of those two ways, John says to us, the only way to really know God is to look at Jesus as he was presented to us, both through water and through blood. Now, I hope I'm not going to go too deep because I am punching above my weight class this morning. Uh, you know, in, in Jewish law, you could not accuse somebody on your own. You had to bring a second person. Three was perfect. So if someone did something to you and you brought yourself before the judge and you say, I'm the one that saw Christina eating my favorite sandwich out of the fridge at lunchtime. And the judge says, do you have any witnesses? And I said, yep, I do. I have Gary, and Gary steps up and he says, yeah, I saw her eating his favorite sandwich out of the fridge. It was in a brown paper bag, and it had Stu Williams written on it. 
The judge says, okay, I'm convinced. And then I say, but just to make sure, judge, that you know I'm not bringing, making the story up, I go to Jen. I say, Jen, were you there? And Jen says, you know, I was not there. But I heard her speak of how great your sandwich tasted. <laughs> the judge says, it is done. We shall cut off her hand. Punishment is dealt out. In Jewish law, if you had two or three witnesses, three witnesses be the ideal, whatever you were testifying to was then given credibility and would be heard. And so when John uses this threefold witness, I think it's important that you and I hear what he's saying, is that God witnesses fully to who Jesus is. The first way in which God tells us who Jesus is is at his baptism. Matthew's gospel describes it for us as Jesus stepping into the water and the Holy Spirit descending in the form of a dove upon him. And the words of the father that is spoken about his son are the strongest words of Christian identity and affirmation. That in fact, when we become baptized, this is what God says about us through Jesus, that this is my child whom I love in him I am well pleased. That at the heart of true spirituality is an identity that is shaped by what God has said about us. Significantly, it is about Jesus who receives from the Father the strongest affirmation of sonship. That he is in fact the son that the Father loves. John the Baptist, the one who baptizes him, says in John chapter 1 verse 34, I have seen and I testify that this is the son of God. I've seen the spirit descend upon him in the form of a dove and I've heard the voice speak and it is truly who he is. That at his baptism what God was doing was making public that this is the one that was truly sent by him. And for you and me today as we think about that Perhaps it's hard to wrap our minds around what it would have been like for John, except perhaps to say it to us this way, that that specific baptismal encounter of Jesus Christ by the Father was what lay deep within the apostle, deep within John's heart so strongly that he would speak of that experience in his ministry. He would share that God has certainly made aware that this is Jesus. And yet, my friends, in Matthew chapter the 11, John is removed from the certainty of that baptism experience and cries out to Jesus through his disciples, are you still the one that I heard you were when I baptized you? Or am I waiting for another? You see, uh, sometimes experiences Even spiritual experiences, revelatory experiences, cannot sustain our faith. You know, the the, the example of John the Baptist is given to us to remind us all that in many ways we may be like him. You may, and you know, and, and I know young people here in particular, you may enjoy going away together. Do you like being with each other, generally speaking? You go, no? Jake shakes his head, no. I don't even know why I'm sitting up here with them. 
But say, for example, the others, excluding Jake, you like to be together. You go to a great conference, great teacher, you have a spiritual experience, you, you, you have great worship, nothing quite as great as our worship, of course, but close. You have a great time, you eat fast food together, you stay up till two, three in the morning, you come back from that event, you're so, oh, I'm so exhausted, and you're grumpy with your family, but you had the best time of your life. And maybe for some of you, it's so formative that you kind of say, I want to have that kind of experience all the time. You know, I, I I don't know if, if it's quite accurate to suggest that whoever is speaking into this community speaks out of some kind of spiritual experience, ecstatic experience. But when the apostle responds, he says, listen, the spiritual experience aside must come out of the recognition of who Jesus is, for he is the anchor to your faith when you have good experiences or bad experiences, when you feel spiritually enlivened or not, when you feel the pastor's preaching well or boring you, whether you have great worship experiences or not, when things are going well in your life or not, he is the foundation of your faith, not in how you feel, but in what he has definitively done in coming into this world. Thanks be to God. I thank God that my faith is not contingent upon my emotions. I thank God that my faith is not contingent upon the things that I will endure in this world. I thank God that my faith is rooted in the historic and real person of Jesus Christ who came and definitively changed all things. For no matter what I face in this world, I have an anchor that holds in every kind of storm. He came, he stepped into the water, not only as a representative of humanity, but he became just like us and took our place. While the... Wow, that was exhausting. While the scripture speaks that he is the son of God... That very same baptismal formula tells us this, that he was just like you and me. Do you believe in that kind of God who knows us intimately because he's like us? He knows knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to be tempted. Do you know that what happens right after his baptism in the Gospels is what? His temptation. In fact, do you know that in the Gospels it said it's the Holy Spirit, the, the Hebrew or the Greek word, sorry, in the New Testament. Just looking at these guys, they're keeping me honest. It's the word that he was driven by. He was, he's kind of driven. I, you know, the Holy Spirit pushes him out into the desert. That's, that's kind of the original language. Where he is tempted where he endures the temptation at the hand of the evil one, who says, I want you to bypass the cross. I don't want you to, you you don't have to do that, I'll give you the kingdoms. Isn't that at the heart of every temptation? Don't don't go through the way of God, just kind of do whatever comes quick and easy. It is this very same Jesus who who prayed with such intensity that the scripture defines that his sweat turned to blood. It is the very same Jesus who who cries, and we can theologically discuss why, at the death of Lazarus. It is this very same Jesus who hangs on the cross and offers forgiveness to even those who accuse him. And it is this very same Jesus who says this, you are able to live the life that I have given you as an example. Go and live it. 
The reason why the humanity of Jesus matters is because our spirituality, if it does not look like the life of Jesus in this world, made manifest to us, is all but just an understanding without a true personal knowledge and experience of who God is. God testifies about Jesus, not only his baptism, but as I said, through the blood. I go to a particular portion of Scripture which is found in John chapter 19. In fact, as I read this, this might be interesting to those of you who like biblical studies, that the entire ministry of Jesus is caught between two testimonies in the Gospel of John. That of John the Baptist in John chapter 1, and that of the unknown man who stands at the foot of the cross when the soldiers show up to break the legs of those crucified because the Jews did not want dead bodies on crosses on the Sabbath day. So they approach the crosses, and they are about to break the legs, and I think I've maybe explained why, but for the sake of those who don't know, they they broke the legs of the person hanging on the cross so that they could expedite their death. And really, it's quite horrific if you think about it. I mean, a broken leg is something, but breaking legs so that you couldn't actually hold your body weight up and therefore choke to death hanging from a cross. It's interesting because if we believe the biblical account, which, by the way, tells us, this is not interpreted, but this is what it tells us, that Jesus was crucified in the center of the two that was next to him. But the biblical account of his actual, uh, of the soldiers coming to break legs says that they broke the legs of the other two first, and then they came to Jesus. It's interesting. When they came to Jesus, it says this, he was already dead. So they did not have to break his legs. But then this. But then the soldier takes the spear and sticks it in his side. And what does the scripture say? The scripture said, blood and water claim flowing out. In fact, this is what is in 1 John. The reference made to blood and water is graphically captured in 1 John and is made here for our sake. It, 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 it is a way of us recognizing that Jesus truly did die. That the one who was spoken of as the eternal or the living water, the one who ministered to the woman at the well and said, I will give you something that will always satisfy, he, he did not at the point of his death somehow step out of that physical experience, but truly endured it. He truly went through with it. He was truly killed. He truly died. And here's why that is important to me. Because unless God comes back before I die, I too will die. Hopefully, not in as a dramatic fashion as that. But isn't it wonderful to know that God so identifies with our human condition, not only in the joys of baptism, but even in the worst experiences of life, that even if I should die, He understands what such death means. But... Life wins over death. If you want to know what true Christian spirituality is, it, 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 does not, it does not dismiss that death happens. You know, um, 
we seem to, we seem to be afraid of it in our culture. We, we want to delay it at all cost. In fact, I'm always, I was very curious when I first moved here and, and how we do funerals here. And I think, I think there's something dignified about the way in which we, we, we make the deceased person look, you know. Uh, I think there's something, there's something significant about what that says about the culture we're in. In fact, I think part of the process of preparing a body is obviously there's biblical ways in which it was done, but today perhaps it's one of those ways in which we don't want to really see what death looks like because death is ugly. No matter who you are, when you die, it's an ugly thing. It's an ugly experience. Uh, We are moving away these days of actually having prolonged services. Have you noticed that? In many a place, and I'm not... I'm not accusing anybody sitting here um, or think of anybody because you're still alive and you haven't died yet. But have you ever noticed that, that we, we, we don't tarry long around death? We want to move real fast through that process. You know, in some cultures today, they mourn for a very long time. Um, perhaps too long, we would say. Too long for us to be comfortable with mourning. We, we want to move past it real quick. Talk to us about good things. Or make it look good. But I think the text in the Gospel of John paints for us a picture of the real death of Jesus, the real agony of Jesus. Mal Gibson in his depiction tried to portray for us graphically in images that we can relate to as Hollywood would produce it, the gravity and the brutality of such death. And it would be oh so depressing, oh so sad. And yet in recognizing that Jesus dies a human death, In my own hope as a human being, I can reach forth and say that even if I should die, I have a God who has gone where death has gone and has overcome it. See, this message doesn't really inspire a lot of young people. It does not necessarily inspire... Many of us who are not thinking about that. But I bet you anything, somebody who is sick, somebody who's close to the end of their life, somebody who's considering the latter parts of their life, I don't know what, why this happens, but in my 40s, I started to kind of think that most of my life is gone. It's kind of a sad, maybe that's why guys buy motorcycles and sports cars. So if we don't do it now, it's gone. It's never going to happen. But when we get to the point where we start to see our mortality, we recognize we won't live forever. True spirituality teaches us that that is not the point of hopelessness. We do not live for this world alone, but we live for the hope that God gives. And so enjoy your life. I do. I have fun. I celebrate with my family. But I also have a hope that runs deeper. That's what Jesus says is resurrection and life. This morning, uh, as I conclude my sermon and everybody says, Amen. The witness of the Spirit, as the Apostle Paul describes it, is the Holy Spirit which testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Perhaps in just a few moments I could invite Uh, one or two people who would like to share how God has been witnessing or ministering in their lives. I know that's general, that's vague. 
But when, John, when, when Don, when, 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 when you stood up and just called out like you did, it took me back many years. Where it was quite okay for interruptions. Not that that was an interruption. <laughs> but it was quite okay for us to not follow the script so, so tightly. And to recognize that sometimes God just speaks through the community to the community. And so this morning, just for a few minutes... Not to make you uncomfortable, I'm looking at you, Gary. Is there someone who'd like to share? What is God doing, saying to you, perhaps today or in the season of your life? I've been praying for one of my friends for six years. He's a non-Christian, and in the past week, he's been asking me a lot of questions and these lights are really terrible. <laughs> um, and it's, they're not easy questions. They're all of the questions that I wrestle with sometimes on a daily basis and that I don't necessarily have answers for and that I don't know if anybody really has answers for until we get to where we're all aiming to go. But... To me, that is a huge answer to prayer. Six years of praying for one person. <laughs> and God is doing something. I don't know what it is or how long it will take or if he'll make the decision. But it's really cool and really exciting. So don't give up on those people who are unlikely in your lives. Thank you, Christina. Open mic. We have a very good family friend that we've known for about 20, 30, I guess, maybe 35 years, Catherine and Ridge Graves. Some of you may know them. Uh, Catherine was rushed to emergency the other night um, with very serious infection. Her blood pressure was down to 75 over 50. They didn't know what was going on. And um, honestly, we thought we'd lose her. It was that serious. And uh, prayer went out, of course, through this wonderful Facebook network, which I still have. Anyway, <laughs> but God has answered prayer in a miraculous way, I feel. And I'm just so thankful that um, probably this afternoon she's being moved out of ICU into a regular room. And uh, no surgery is required. They thought there may be. And... Um, so we just continue to pray for her, but just wanted to share that, that God does answer prayer. Wow, you know, sometimes we don't expect it, but thank you for... And so if you could pray for Catherine, that would be great. Thank you. Thank you, Brenda. Anybody else? Good morning. Um, God has had our family on an incredible journey over the past year. About a year ago, we decided... Um, to sell our house kind of very suddenly. We just decided it was time for a change. And, um, there was, um, some different circumstances that led up to that. And, uh, we put our house on the market and, um, we had tried to sell our house in the past and, um, or thought about it and never worked out. And, um, my husband and I, we kind of, we made a bit of a deal with God. This was when the building campaign was kind of going on too. And we said, uh, we kind of said, God, um, anything that we get above, above list, for our house. We're going to give that right back to the church. And, um, in within 24 hours, our house sold for $12,000 over list. And 
So we, we, you know, we, we were just like, wow, God, thanks so much for, we've never sort of been spoken to that clearly, um, by God before. And then, um, we had to be out of our house and we had nowhere to go. And we had, we didn't know like what this journey was that God was sending us on. We had no idea where God wanted us to go or what was going to happen. So we very quickly found a rental to live in. And we've been living in a rental, um, for the past 10 months. And again, we had no idea, like, um, where we were going to end up and where God uh, wanted us to be. And again, we just through a lot of prayer and a lot of listening and a lot of just quietly waiting for 10 months. Um, God's opened doors again. And it's just, it's been the most incredible year for our little family of just trusting and just listening. And we've never really done that before. And it's really been so awesome. And I just wanted to, to share that that's, um, the journey that we've been on, and it looks like it's coming to a close. We have bought a house, and we're going to be moving in the next couple of weeks. And um, it's been a roller coaster year, but in the best way possible. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Do you need any help moving? Are oh, you good? I was going to volunteer our youth. They're pretty good. Uh, Gary. <laughs> Gary, you want to come? And anybody else? Just an opportunity to share and. As you can see, it doesn't have to be awkward. And... Except you did call me out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is bright. Okay. Um, uh, God does answer prayer. Um, many of you know my wife. When she was 39 years old, she was told she had five years to live. And, uh, and when she was 44, she got a liver transplant and... She's still still here, and since then we've been blessed with you know lots of grandkids, and you know she's been a real blessing in my life, and you know I've seen God work just as John saw Christ baptized, and he was claimed you know proclaimed that uh, you know that here is the Son of God, you know I know who the Son of God is, but still you know I struggle. Um, and I struggle to, you know, a lot of times I struggle to give up control. Like, even though we know the truth, we still try to keep control. And actually, even this morning, just the, the verse that you re- that made me realize that, you know, God knows what I'm going through. Like, God has gifted all of us with special gifts and talents. And, and we often try to use those to our advantage. But uh, in Philippians chapter 2... Verse 6, it says, God, you know, Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. And... I think what God is telling me these days that, you know, let go of control. Yeah, you could use things to your own advantage, but, uh, you know, try to be like Jesus and give it up for others. So anyway, that's what I'm dealing with. Thank you, Gary. Thank you so much. Don't want to deprive anybody. This is good. <laughs> Stacy. Um, so about, I don't know, three or four months ago, John and I got quickly called to my parents' house, and my grandma had been rushed to the hospital for 
like bad cramping and they didn't know really what it was. So we were told that the doctors did some sort of test and that she has a mass and they said that it was cancer. Um, so I sent out like a massive prayer thing, Facebook, our Harmony Through Harmony connections. And, um, uh, we were also told that my grandma had requested, uh, do not resuscitate after her surgery that she was going to be having on Thursday. Well, this was like forever ago. Um, so John and I were just praying and praying and praying and praying, and I'm sure lots of other people were. And so we went to visit her, which we assumed would be our last visit, because um, she's around, she's 87, so she's pretty elderly. And uh, while we were there, a different doctor had come in, and he's like, so we're going to prep for the surgery, because um, we don't know what this thing is, but... I don't, I don't actually know if we have to do it. And then he left. It was really random. Came back and he was like, I don't know if you guys heard, but it's not cancer. Um, so that was. <laughs> that was just like, holy cow. <laughs> like prayer actually actually works and um it's still really hard for me because my brother is um he's atheist so he just says oh the doctors made a mistake but um john i know that it was answered or prayer thank you stacy thank you when I was in uh, youth ministry, one of the things that was important to learn as a youth pastor is that I needed to speak less and give opportunity for youth to speak more. Part of it was to build their self-esteem, yes, but the other part was to let them know that, um, that they too can speak the words of God and the words of life. And testimony is exactly that. It is God-honoring. Uh, it is ways of us strengthening the faith of others. And so you may come up here and share what you may think I'd never planned to share. I didn't know I was going to get an opportunity to share, but you may never know who amongst us here needed to hear that today. So thank you for sharing that. May we be a community of faith that shares what God is doing in our lives. And as I close, I want to share a couple of things about our community. Uh, on Wednesday, I got a text from... Uh, from Ryan. Is Ryan here, Herbert? I can't really see. I don't have my glasses on, so you're all just blurry. In fact, you all look rather tanned through my... <laughs> and uh, Ryan texted me and, and said, Pastor, I need to talk to you about a couple of things and, and, uh, and so on. And eventually when we got a hold of each other later that day, he, he shared with me, he says, well, you know, we can't keep talking because I got to get ready for uh, a Bible study tonight. I said, Say, so, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. He says, yeah, there's, you know, we had Youth Alpha, and he said there's, you know, a whole bunch of youth that were at Alpha, and when we finished Youth Alpha, they kind of said to me, to us, his wife and him, that we'd like to continue to meet together to read Scripture and to pray. And, uh, you know, he doesn't realize how, how perhaps in that moment that is an answer to prayer, um, that we as a community of faith, have been praying for a while that God would continue to create both a desire for knowing Him, 
for being in fellowship with one another and growing together. And so I just think that is a, a fantastic thing. Uh, you know, when he spoke to me, he said, I'm quite surprised, <laughs> but they want to do this. Uh, about a month and a half ago, uh, I got another request from uh, someone in our community saying, we should at least try to do something where we can gather together and learn together and grow together. And so I didn't ask permission to this, do this, but we meet at Sandra's home. Sandra, if you could just wave. Sandra, is, is anybody welcome to come to your house or just good-looking people like me? Anybody? Uh, so Sandra uh, has opened a home on Wednesday nights uh, at about 6.30 because she has little kids and they need to go to bed. Not little kids, I mean, Karima is a little older, but kids my age, and it's a school week. And so perhaps if you're out in the Skyview Ranch area and want to get together around the Word of God and listen and learn together, there's an opportunity to come, and uh, we can get you that information if you contact the church office. There's numerous stories of how God is answering and working within our community, and I think it's really important to stress that today. We must have ears to hear and eyes to discern the work of God. If we truly believe that God is at work, then He must be at work within us, and He must be at work beyond us. And so even as I say this to you, I want to remind and encourage and strengthen your faith to know this, that it may take years, but God is faithful to answer prayers. Whatever you're carrying today, as we conclude the service, as Stephanie comes to lead us, I pray that you would bring that to Him uh, in the most trusting way and know that He is faithful. Let us pray. Father, I thank You. Uh, for the community that is. I thank you that your word to us is perhaps in some ways this morning a word of testimony to remind us that you do speak and sometimes you use us to be a part of that word to the world. I, I pray that we would learn to speak that which you have done in our hearts to those who need a testimony today. I do thank you for answered prayers. I thank you that you do heal. But I thank you, Lord, that you also promise the hope of resurrection. That there's a hope that goes beyond the present. And for this, we give you thanks. Father, may we be a community that deeply finds our meaning in who you are as you reveal yourself to us. May we not live a fluctuating up and down roller coaster type of faith but may, may our faith be anchored in the reality of Jesus and what he's done for us I pray this morning for marriages amongst us I pray that you would you would restore and heal I pray for young men and young women today that you would protect them from the kinds of decisions and influences that seeks to rob them of the joy of knowing you. I pray for this community that your Holy Spirit would make us one, true unity, true community, and that we would see, Father, your the prayers we've been praying here answered. Make us a witness. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us stand together.